0: morning, Luke
1: Butler. Hello, Michael.
0: You're looking splendid this morning as ever. <laughs> How's your birthday? How's your birthday, big boy?
1: Excuse me. Uh, mate, it was good. It was very odd turning 40. I can tell you that much. Um, kind of creeps up on you a little bit as much as it doesn't, if you know what I mean. It's hard for 40 years to sneak up on you, but um, it felt like it did. But, mate, it was good fun. I had, um, I'm up in Queensland, had quite a few, well, not quite a few, that's a July. Um, As many people that could get here did. um, So obviously, no one from Sydney could make it up, but had a few friends from Brizzy, some from Melbourne. Uh, So it was good. Made the most of a sort of a week long celebration in the end. How are you going?
0: Yeah, pretty well. I'm very well. Uh, And looking forward to crossing the border whenever I can. One February, up they come. So let's see. uh, Into Queensland from New South Wales. That'll be fun. Uh, Yeah, very well. Very well. He's off to a pretty good start. I think, yeah, and looking forward to today's guest who is
1: Mr Dave Baswell
0: (laughs) We're so seamless on these, aren't we? So good (laughs) Yes,
1: Uh, I think you and I have discussed having Dave on um, almost since the beginning of time uh, and he has graciously decided or just given us his time uh, to come and be a guest Dave and I caught up a couple of weeks ago in Brizzy at, and this was just before everything sort of got put into lockdown. I think we'd stand there speaking for about an hour about, as every conversation in these days tends to be dominated by coronavirus and we were talking about the impact obviously on his business in the Queensland tourism market and and uh, we were speaking quite positively and then he sent me a text message literally 24 hours later <laughs> saying uh, <laughs> that was an absolute waste of time for a conversation pretty much um, because they went into three day lockdown and um, you know all the good work that had happened had been, been sort of torn away in terms of bookings and the numbers that they were doing. But Um, they'll bounce back obviously very quickly but um, yeah look Dave's background is very interesting Um, quite uh, heavily dominated within finance and hospitality um, proper in terms of sort of operations but he oversees the Ovalo Hotel business um, as CFO and COO in a joint role do
0: you reckon he gets paid twice as much that's a good question let's ask him that
1: (laughs) yeah great question guess level when you ask them how much they're getting paid (laughs) Uh, but uh, look amazing business you and I also had the um, pleasure of sitting with him at the HM Awards this year, where they, they took out quite a few um, of the top awards, including brand of the year, if I'm...
0: Yeah, I think that's right. An and and he, that was a real happen chance. I just happened to be on the phone to him, and he just happened to be landing in Sydney. And I said, are you coming? in? he's like, oh, I don't have a ticket. And so... Me being the master string puller, had him, had him, had him, had him parachuted in for the occasion so he could join his team. What a great night that was, and uh, that's, that's why I like it's a great to, opportunity to have him on to talk about Avolo's uh, growth and uh, I guess future direction because they uh, are a, a business that has been one one to watch. So really looking forward to getting stuck into this one.
1: Nice. Well, let's go and have a chat with Dave. Dave Baswell with no moustache.
0: It's very disappointing. I was looking forward to, to seeing that.
2: Thanks, Mike. That's just a, a temporary thing during the November. I'm glad I'm over and so is my, uh, my family. So good to be back to normal.
0: Well, I guess it must have been in, Mo- in November. We saw you last at the HM Awards in Sydney. Is that correct?
2: That's right. That's right. That was my last trip to Sydney and the borders is closed again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't leave, you didn't leave Sydney empty handed if I recall rightly, it was a bit of a night of nights for a Volo group. <laughs>
2: Oh the HM Award's been good to us. Uh, we've been uh, having a, a good run for last uh, especially last couple of years. We've always had some recognition in some form, but uh, we've won two brands of the Year award in the last two uh, you know uh, years and along with many other recognitions. so yeah it's been a good it's been a good uh, good run through those awards and good recognition by the industry as well as the guests so you know uh, can't complain been uh, really pleased with the, with the outcome in the last couple of years.
0: I think what uh, would be interesting for us and the listeners is to kind of get a bit of background. I mean, it, it, in, in terms of uh, the Volo group generally, but also yourself specifically, because am I right in saying that you haven't taken the path well known to becoming one of Australia's leading, uh, sorry, well, the region's leading hotel groups, I uh, uh, tell yourself, you're not, you're not, uh, you're not grown up in the industry, you kind of um, came in through another path, if I understand your background correctly.
2: Uh, no, no, not really, not really. That's not the case. But uh, I, I've been in and out a few times, doing uh, you know, doing different things, and I've taken uh, different. Uh, uh, way to kind of come into that operations role. But, you know, my story is not not that uh, hugely interesting, not as interesting as the brand story. Uh, I started back in India. I'm I'm from a small town in India uh, and uh, joined the hotel school actually right after after my school. So, straight into hospitality. It was the time when India was... uh, uh, experiencing modernization in hospitality and new brands were coming up. So, uh, and I didn't want to do, uh, I wanted to be an engineer or a or, or medical that was, you know, it wasn't the, my thing to follow, so I wanted to do something easy and lighthearted, and hospitality felt felt pretty good at that point. Uh, three years in hospitality school, did my bachelor's there, worked with Grand Hyatt as a management trainee, a uh, couple of years, learning ground, amazing place, learned everything from, uh, you know, making beds uh, to run a hotel uh, with that school. Uh, decided to go to Dubai after that with i uh, worked in the food and beverage department with them for a couple of years, and that's where a uh, small change happened. I started uh, getting involved in the finance uh, side of the business and learned about, uh, you know, the forecasting, cost management, and um, every other thing you do in food and beverage uh, finance world, and slowly shifted and taken more and more responsibility within the, within the company for various different venues uh, in the finance section and realized that I needed to uh, go and do a little bit of further study. Obviously, I didn't do that much of a study during my hotel school days, so, um, you know, I opted to step out and came to Australia to, uh, to Gold Coast, actually, to, to study the Masters of uh, Hospitality with the specialization in international business and finance. So I still wanted to continue in hospitality but learn a little bit better with the finance side and did that. Uh, a small change happened. The university dropped the specialization in finance by the time I finished my first year. So I switched it to a master's finance degree and just continued in the finance. So after that I thought I've learned enough and don't need to go back in hospitality and find a proper job as my dad used to remind me and you need to find a proper job. So I thought I'll do something else and uh, decided to go and work for a tax accounting firm. Uh, that only lasted one year. Um, My wife reminded me that I've been uh, terrible for that one year and I need to go and find do something what I really like. And she gave me a a job ad, (laughs) very funnily, in the company she was working mental group at that time and said, hey, they need someone in finance in a hotel group. That sounds much better. Um, And as we all do, you know, I listen to my wife. (laughs) Um, I decided to apply and uh, back to hospitality after a a short uh, few years break of studies and, uh, you know, and... uh, and working in a tech firm, uh, but stayed in finance. Stayed in finance and uh, amazing learning ground with mentor Group. some amazing, amazing group of people. We took the brand from, a, from, from nothing to, uh, you know, a well-known Australian household brand. And then the medium tier, which was very, very successful, did various roles uh, within the organization in that capacity, helped the group to uh, prepare for the public listing. And after the public mm-hmm. listing was looking for new opportunities, that's when I was introduced to Girish, uh, from a world Group, uh, he's the founder CEO for the group, and connected really well. He asked me to join the group as a director of finance. And uh, right before my joining, the CEO resigned, and he asked me to continue to look after operations for the short term till he finds someone. And five years on, he hasn't found someone yet. Uh, you know, so we, I'm still looking after the finances as well as the operations of uh, of the business. I love both parts, and uh, you know, hospitality is is worth all I know, along with the finances and Worked out well so far. So, still in there working through, you know, hospitality and finance is, is pretty much me. Do
0: you want to give us a bit of an overview of Volo's properties and its sort of regional uh, focus, just for people who aren't as familiar with the group?
2: Sure, sure. Uh, small family office. I uh, was, you know, born in Hong Kong uh, in around 2010. So, we're in the 10th year uh, for the brand. So, very young, very new. Uh, Started with the service apartments and then converted into uh, lifestyle hotels. Uh, Currently have four hotels in in Hong Kong, one in Bali, which we only open um, through the Zoom calls in in November last year. Uh, And uh, six operating hotels in in Australia. Uh, One more, which is about to open uh, in the end of quarter one in Melbourne in South Yarra. Which will be the twelfth property for for the hotel group. Uh, we are a little bit different. We own and operate our own hotels. A little bit of a old school hospitality. Uh, so we are not just the brand which runs the building. We actually, have, you know, believe in owning the lock, stock, and barrel and actually ensuring that we deliver the message in a, in a certain way. Uh, we we are. I would like to say we are the leading uh, uh, lifestyle brand in in Australia, if if not in Asia Pacific. Have had a decent growth in the last. Three years, we've grown uh, pretty much double the size every every year. I've uh, had a good refresh. Uh, food and beverage is also quite a front and center of the brand. Uh, we like to do things differently, keep a unique perspective. We look at every asset uh, very, very you know differently from each other. So, there is a brand promise uh, within Obolo. However, they still, individual hotels, have their own uh, soul. They still have their own feel and they have their own story. And uh, we always try to ensure that we keep this... Consistently inconsistent approach when it comes to designing and curating uh, an experience. But once you walk in a hotel, there are some um, there are some things which are which are linked uh, and, and bring the brand uh, together. Uh, like the idea of effortless living uh, is 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 an embedded part within uh, within the within the brand, uh, which leads to included minibar, uh, you know, very high speed Wi-Fi. Um, uh, ability to uh, screen shares and stuff in the, in, the, in the TV, just things we have at, at home and a little bit better than that is, is really what we always try and achieve. Try to keep it relatively simple as well. Uh, design is a, really the front and centre of the brand. We try to do things differently and uh, make sure it's a, it's a well-rounded, good experience.
1: We spoke about this when we caught up, uh, when was it? Two weeks ago. Um, and it, you just reminded me of it then. What, what are some, uh, maybe maybe not just challenges with the positives um, associated with having such a specific brand? Because the, the brands are very front and centre in the hotels. They are as you said, consistently inconsistent. Um, And I know through working with you guys, um, you know, very sporadically over the last couple of years that um, you've incredibly focused on people um, being very personally aligned to the brands when they're working in those environments. I mean, how hard is that to maintain when you do have such specific, highly defined brands?
2: Oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting question. I mean, there is a difference between being very passionate about the brand and then being very highly defined brand. Uh, I'll, I'll go and explain it the way I look at it. I mean, we are, a very, we are very clear about what we want to do. Um, and in that side, uh, when I say we are very clear, it's still not written on a piece of paper. So while it's clear, it's not defined. Uh, it's not defined where we don't really have a massive playbook which tells me this is what the brand is. It gives an overview. It creates. It set the tone. It it tells the individuals, uh, you know, what the company is, what it wants to achieve. Uh, the you know the vision, mission, philosophy, whatever you're gonna call it. Super simple is shiny, happy people. You know, we're here to make sure that we're creating shiny, happy people. And the people are the investors, people are the, the guests, and people are the employees, and that's the three people we care about. So that's kind of the, the, the philosophy of the brand. So it, it doesn't go too much into the detail, but it's so defined that people straight away get it. So it takes a little bit of time to say it, uh, 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 you know, repeat it, and and keep doing it in the right direction so people understand what it actually supposed to be while leaving some space for their own personalities to come and play with us. Uh, what we don't want to do is tell people which way to comb their hair in our brand book, and then we lost the personalities and everyone looks the same, right? So even if you look at the uniforms within the company, it is not a set uniform. You know, we go in different venues and, and, and say, what is the best way to tell the story, right? When I go and look for new assets, we walk in and usual discussions with gurishers can we tell a story? Is, is there a story to say? You know, And does it fit into a Bola story? And is there another few layers available within it? And just kind of start from scratch. So we don't really have a lot of brand standard documents. Yes, there are brand standards, but there are, there's a lot of place to move within it. And the idea behind it is, is you set the tone, you set the direction, but do not limit yourself as such. Allow people to come in and contribute and make it their own, and improvise. Because if the idea of the brand creation is just stuck with Girish or myself or someone else in the group, it will only go a narrow path in a certain direction. So don't get me wrong. Girish and me, we do a lot of things and we want to do it in a certain way, and but we still want everyone to be able to collaborate and throw ideas at us to be able to pick and run with it. So it's a... Uh, I'm not sure if I have answered your question correctly, but what I'm trying to say is it's not very defined. But it's very clearly uh, embedded within the team. And we take our time and effort to make sure team gets it. We take our time to get people who absolutely have necessary skills to run the business, but more than anything, have an ability to work with an entrepreneurial organization which embraces the uncertainty available and then thrive on it and take it to another level. Mm. I mean, that
1: would probably, I would assume, um, kind of make some of the attraction of talent, um, and I don't mean to just talk about talent, it would probably apply to guests as well or all people associated, your investors, your customers and your your staff or your colleagues. Um, It's kind of um, almost self-regulating because it would probably be highly attractive to the right people who can operate in an environment like that and might scare off people that, you know, Needs those brand standards and guidelines. So,
2: yeah, um, no, that's, that's true, problem. right? I mean, uh, what is the brand? Usually, uh, you know, if you choose one product over other, or you choose a place to work over other, you pay a premium to, uh, you know, to, to buy something, uh, you know, and or or or, or you are the advocate of the brand where you're spreading the word, right? I mean, that's what the brand is all about. You know, the brand is that particular. A, a, a message which ensures some of these things happen. So, if the people come in and join my organization and, and they realize that they, you know, this, they need more clear directions to to work and, and they like to work within those lines, you see them drop off very, very quickly, right? So, we always go and look for the team members who who have an ability to work with a little bit of uncertainty where we don't have to hold their hands and uh, they can improvise. Uh, at the end of the day, it's a small business, so you have to be super nimble and work through through it as well. So, from team's perspective, what we really look for is 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 the personality alignment with the brand, and obviously the skill set needs to be there to come and add value. But the, but we usually say that if we find the right connection, people come and add value to the brand and take it to another level, you know. And in their in their own way, and the guests are similar. I mean, we attract like-minded people, right? The majority of our clientele, which comes and stay with us, uh, they really like you know, what they do, and that's reflected in our in our TripAdvisor rankings and, and guest feedbacks, you know, pretty much every market we operate in, we are we are in the top, uh, you know, uh, top ranking for TripAdvisor ranking. You know, Oulu-Mulu has been the number one for more than, for almost two years now in Asia Pacific as the, the best hotel. So, it just, you know, it just tells you when the guest comes in, they connect with what we're doing, and, uh, you know, they love it, and they provide feedback and continue to stay over and over again.
0: It, it sort of sounds the reason that the um, your guests are going to be as uh, you know div- diverse as the um, people that you employ, united by this kind of individual expression. I suppose is that sort of fair? Because like it's a uh, it's a, a different approach to. Um, I guess, as someone who's not as uh, proficient in understanding the hotel sector and it's all its complexities and the different brands that are out there by groups and so on. This is a, a business where it's owned, operated and managed by um, the same company, but with flexibility uh, around its properties, um, which is like, it's, it's, it's great from a publishing perspective because what we know at Time Out is that people buy stories. So what you, um, and if, they, if the properties of the people, um, that a different that actually gives as a media business you something to talk about when it's the there's a consistency or a, a strict a stricter um, set of guidelines as, as might be the case with other hotel businesses it becomes a harder thing for for storytelling um, from a publishing perspective i don't know if there's any insight in that uh, for, for for you there um, but it, it it sort of reflects it you know probably in a pr driven approach which i think is probably fair to say dave watching um Evola over the years it's taken you know it uses the the, the the story of the people in the business to to communicate um do you think that's fair?
2: Yeah, no, very important, and I think that's the main reason of why the lifestyle hotels have you know have emerged in the last uh, many years and have have taken shape you know across the globe. Uh, the the travel is. Uh, used to be a need-based uh, travel, right? And it's converting into a want-based travel and that used to be limited to, you know, um, mountain lodges and everything. And now that's come to the city life because the work and life is is, is so embedded together nowadays. You know, we, we, we kind of... Uh, you know, I go to Melbourne, or I, like I say. used to. Uh, it's been a different year, twenty twenty, but uh, I used to go to Melbourne just for you know an overnight trip, and I'll, I'll work hard during the day, and and still go for a very good night dinner somewhere, and spend only a few hours in the in, in the hotel room, right? So. The, the life and, you know, we, it's not like when we work we don't live and we wait for the weekend to come or the holidays to come. We try and, you know, we try and just do it all together because it's, it's all so hectic and, and we all deserve to be looked after each and every day. And I think the lifestyle hotels are catered toward that, towards that, uh, uh, that want, right? And, and do, doing something unique is important, otherwise it will become a transaction. And there are so many hotels which are transactional in nature. And they were—they serve their purpose, they're the CBD, they're for the corporate clientele and people coming in working through it or next to a stadium and you, you're really focusing on the game, not into the room, and there is a place for, for all that product, but I think the lifestyle hotels have really reignited the discussion that the hotels don't need to be boring, they can have a personality, and I'll go and I'll stay with the one which meet, meets my requirement and my personality and where I feel home. So it may be something which I can't decorate my house as and but I, I'm happy to you know to, to travel to and, and enjoy at the same time while I'm doing business or while I'm with family or, or whatever the reason of travel is.
0: I'm going to ask this one in uh and just looking at the latest story on time out about this um is the year of the veg like, which um, is you know it's, it's a case in point like this is um uh, something which through the lens of just keeping pace with the audience there's been this shift uh, on a daily basis uh, you know towards um you know, a plant-based diet I would say and and it uh, is something that Avolo's picked up and embraced um and declared the year of the veg. Uh, like an idea like that, uh, can you just t- walk us through how uh, that h- came in? And and obviously, I know Alibi was a um, a, a vegan restaurant. I think um, anyway, but but that idea has started somewhere in the business, and then it's sort of worked its way up and then been embraced. Like I, I, I want to double click on this because I think it's a good example of might of of how people can think about um, storytelling in this sector.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think the, the direction towards vegetarian and vegan food is not new to business. Uh, we started that with Alibi many years ago when um, I met Timothy Kinney in in US in a conference. We connected really well and decided to bring his work to... Alibi in, uh, in 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 Sydney and became a really good successful venue and then we opened a vegetarian 100 vegetarian venue in Hong Kong called Veda, which was the recreation of uh, of some work which was previously done by uh, you know his own his face family. So that was, that was again again amazingly successful and so we we've enjoyed vegetarian food and uh, we have also been working towards the sustainable. Uh, side and 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 Girish, uh, and myself both are very passionate towards uh, towards that side. Having said that, uh, you know, adopting it in host- in hotel spaces is not that easy uh, because you you you're dealing with a customer which is transactional in, in nature. But we you know we managed to get rid of uh, probably the first ones to 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 get rid of the you know the shampoos and other small yep. things and created our own amen- amenities under the name of OMG and stick to the wall and pumps and everything. So we've been slowly and steadily changing few things you know the new hotel we have in South Yarra there's actually a water fountain in every room uh, so we don't have to use the water bottles ever so um, I think this is the first time I'm announcing it probably a bit too early (laughs) the marketing starts next week Uh, but uh, I think there's a so we we are slowly moving in that direction and we felt that uh, the sustainable and good healthy eating is kind of Obvious next path towards it, and we were supposed to go slow and steady towards it. Uh, the plan was to go fifty percent vegetarian um, in the year 2020, and then we got hit with the with a, a major change in in, in March. And uh, you know, the best ideas come when you're sitting at home and. Or let's say when you push to the wall and uh, you have to improvise right and we looked at it and said we have got to do something about food and beverage all of it is closed we have to reopen it again and slow and steady path and do what we need to do and we said maybe this is a good time to you know to cut the ties and uh, and take it in the direction we wanted to and and take that sustainable uh, direction of, of vegetarian uh, we're not against uh, against uh, eating meat, but I think what we're trying to educate the the market is that there is a beautiful way of of, of creating vegetarian food, a meat meat-free food, and uh, that we should be incorporating that in part of our daily lives. Um, and uh, just take the pressure off from from planet Earth a little bit, if if that that helps. And I think it's good for body, good for your soul, good for the planet, so we should all be looking at it. We are on this for 365 days, and who knows, we might make that a norm, and um, let's see.
0: Well, uh, and it's been well-received, I'm guessing?
2: Yeah, very well received. Actually, uh, the venues are not hundred percent open throughout. Uh, you know, simply because the borders keep closing and opening. As as you all know, it's a bit bumpy, so we we we're not pushing it that hard. But hey, all the venues have uh, have received amazing reviews. The chefs have embraced it. Uh, you know, the media has has liked it. The, the past customers have 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 come and visited again and. And, and have, you know, given us a, it's a good sign and it's, it's profitable in every right. So uh, I think all my three shiny happy people are happy at the moment, so I'm sure we're happy, you know, heading in the right direction.
1: Wonderful. You, you uh, briefly touched on um, COVID, uh, which, you know, obviously an obvious topic of discussion. How have you guys fared through the whole process both here and overseas, and, and I guess what kind of insight can you share with us in terms of your, your forecast for what's coming next?
2: Yeah, uh, it's been a, as we all know, it's been it's been tough, right? Uh, and uh, I don't think there's anyone who can say that it wasn't a, wasn't a tough year last year, and uh, hasn't changed. Actually, this this looks like the continuity of the of the situation. But um, you know, we, it was very hard in the first few months. Uh, being a small business, you have to worry about uh, uh, a lot of things. Uh, I won't go too much into details. I know it's been talked about in various podcast podcasts with hundreds of people. So the challenges are the same, but. The first few months were really hard. We had to look at the business and say, okay, what can we do? How do we live with this uncertainty? Uh, how do we prepare our teams to do that? The fact that we can't move around, how do you manage that? So very, very tough. Uh, and uh, I have to say my team's been uh, been amazing. I'm surrounded by some very good leaders and, and you know, they all uh, I just told the guys, I, I don't know how to handle this. Just give me two weeks. Can you just manage for two weeks so I can think through it? And, uh, you know, it, it was very, very, very well supported by the guys. They gave me that little space I needed at that time for me, Girish, and a few other people to think through it and put together a plan. And uh, after that, I think we've been just chipping away uh, on, on, our, on our plan. The plan is really a very short-term uh, focus. I'm asking the guys to kind of look at your three days, three weeks, three months, and don't try and think too much outside and just uh, the plan accordingly and look at it. You know, every third day you go and look at the plan and think through it again. So that's what I've been, I've been, I've been doing. And the, the market's been uh, choppy and changey, and we've been reacting to it you know, as, far, as fast as we can. Uh, It's been a, the first four months were really hard, but from June, July onwards, we managed to get a handle on it and started, you know, uh, working through the business in a, in a, in a, respectable you know, bottom line way. And uh, also the first few months is when majority of the teams who needed to depart left. But we didn't really do a major uh, you know, redundancies. We only did, did stood downs, um, apart from the casuals, which decided to go and find another job for right reasons. We managed to stood up majority of our team. Um, there's uh, no one who's uh, you know there's only a couple of people who are stand down uh, for various different uh, personal uh, reasons because they have picked up some other jobs and we may not have enough hours for them and stuff like that but all the team members are back for more than uh, for more than three months now uh, in, in in work. Uh, it's a very nimble team so it's pretty easy. What's coming next? Oh, that's a question uh, I think everyone wants to have an answer for. Uh, it's very, very hard. I think it's going to stay super tight. It's going to stay hard uh, for for a short period of time, uh, more because of what's happening with our, our borders. Um, the cases we are experiencing, in my view, are, you know, we're very lucky we've kind of dodged the bullet in a way. And, uh, the rest of the world is probably looking at us and, and 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 envy of us for right reasons, right? Um, what we have seen is nowhere compared to the rest of the world. So it's it, – but the way we are managing it now and the plan of us, how we manage it moving forward will be – Critical how the recovery goes, right? Uh, I think uh, that case we had in, in 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 Sydney and especially in Brisbane, and we closed the city and understand it needed to be done. But we don't really have a one definition for hotspot. You know, there's no federal control over it. All the states are running their politics in their own way, and that is actually the bigger risk for for the recovery in um, in in various segments and and the market sentiment and uh, corporates to return to work. So it'd be interesting how We manage it moving forward. Uh, My view is that, you know, the the parts of the world when the vaccines start coming out and it has started rolling out, right? Uh, The part of the world where you're having 1,000 cases and when the vaccine starts coming out, it'll actually show a downward graph, right? It'll show 900, 800, 500 um, because people are not getting sick and and then, you know, the hospital beds are a little bit empty and they feel more comfortable. So they'll feel positive and actually drive business forward, right? Uh, now, Australia, uh, luckily, we have only had one, two, five, ten 10 cases, you know, apart from Victoria, which was a, a major scare for all of us. Everything else has been pretty low. So when the vaccine started coming up, if that number started going and, and we started relaxing the travel and the number goes upwards, we'll probably see an upward trend. So it will be interesting how we manage the border restrictions at that time. Do we keep the borders closed because the number is going upwards? or are we going to show leadership and, and let that take its time, you know, apart from New South Wales, in my view, sorry for giving my political view here, but apart from New South Wales leadership, I think all of others have kind of managed it uh, sheepishly, and and, uh, New South Wales has, you know, again and again has shown that uh, you can control it if you you manage it effectively. So I think there's a lesson to be learned, and really depending how premiers and the governments are going to operate, it will really define how quickly the recovery starts. Because if you're waiting for the virus to die down before we start doing business as normal and start living like a nation, um then we we are in a in a long trouble. I'm not, I'm not sure what your views are, but that's my my two cents.
0: Oh, I think that we're very interested, as I don't know that anyone um there's any single, there's no single point of truth on it, is there? There's just different perspectives, and I think Luke and I were on a podcast uh, last week, maybe, where we were talking about the recruitment market generally, and you know what he's seeing there is uh, Luke and I'm putting words in your mouth, but is um, you know like pretty high levels of activity, which would suggest that people are at least um, looking to prepare for recovery. Is that fair, Luke?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I mean it's it's it's. it's <laughs> It's really hard to put one specific, um, I guess, answer to to that question um, that covers all parts of the market because the accommodation sector where obviously Dave plays is, um, is very, very different to the on-premise sector. Um, I think, you know, the fact that we've been through a couple of little blips and... Um, I think our conversation, Dave, at over a couple of weeks ago um, happened the day before that case came out and Brisbane went into a three-day lockdown. So everything that we spoke about was made redundant within probably 12 <laughs> hours. So, um, the fact that we have been through little ups and downs and, and bumps in the road, you know, the more that happens, I think the flatter the layer of the level of confidence will become because people are just used to the bumps, um, whereas the first time it happened everyone kind of freaked out a bit and things slowed down, whereas I think with the three-day lockdown, for example, um, you know, I was in Brisbane yesterday and today and it was a ghost town compared to what it was prior to that That but you know if it was to happen again maybe people would return back to a semblance of normality faster because they're just used to having the problems but um yeah i don't know there's no there's no one-size-fits-all answer to how, how different parts of the market are behaving that's for sure
0: Yeah, we'll uh, stay tuned i think let's see um <laughs> we um we'll change tack a bit dave um one thing that uh you and i've talked about over the years um is is sharing those war stories on uh on on leadership and you know the, the pitfalls hurdles challenges opportunities um that that when you are in a role like yours you face with and embrace like uh do you want to talk to us a bit about that about your own individual style um to leadership within the organization um i've already written the note on the three days three three weeks three months i think that's a a great sort of um lens at the for the current time but there's more to it than that obviously do you want to kind of give us how would you describe your leadership to to
2: others yeah i think my uh Yes, yeah, it's, it's always hard to reflect on yourself, but uh, I'll try my best. Hey, I, I, I'd like to think that uh, I'm I, I'm simple. Uh, I like to, uh, you know, I like to give uh, clear directions and expect that my team members, uh, you know, not just take them on the face value, but add value to it on an ongoing basis. Uh, I always look at the group and try to learn and work accordingly. So it, it, my approach is always... Collaborative. Uh, to sometime it gets seen as that I'm not giving a, a, a hard decision and hard direction straight away. Uh, that's not the case when I'm dealing with finance matters, you know, that's when I'm very, very clear about. So that's my left brain, right brain, whatever that is, you know, it just uh, you know, I, I do have to change tact when I'm a CFO. It's a little bit different when I'm a COO, it's, it's a little bit different. So I do put that hat on and off at times. So when you're in a CFO position, it needs to be clear defined uh, you know uh, uh, a set of rules that it that's how you know it works. and I try to ensure that everyone understands it and we take it from there. Chief Operating officer for a brand like Apollo is is very collaboratively needed. So I mean I think that's, I, as you can see, I, I'm unable to define it very clearly, but I'm very collaborative in my in my approach. Uh, I like to listen in, um, but give directions at the same time. Sometimes I take time to make some strong decisions, but once I've made them, then I stick by it. Uh, I do take my time. I'm not the one who just kind of, you know, um, straight away five minute decision done. That's what it is, and then it stays that way. So, uh, but really, what's important for me is how I bring the team together. Right? I mean, the most important thing for me is 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 who is working with me. How do we work together collaboratively? How does that tribe is taking shape? Who's joining in? What value to they bring in? And how we work together as a team. So creating the team and leading it to the success is really always my core focus. And I'm, I always try and avoid having that shortcut approach where I give away the answer to the room, even if I know it. I, I try my best that the team together get to that answer. And sometimes it takes a little longer. And I test the patience of my team with it. And uh, they're saying, if that's what you wanted, you could have told me, right? Uh, but then then it's no fun. So I, I always try to kind of make sure I have the right people and they understand the context of it. And even if it takes a little longer to get to the outcome, that's OK. I, I have a lot of patience. How has it been?
1: Um... I guess, given the tyranny of distance, you know, operating, I mean, we can talk about COVID, we can talk about pre-COVID, um, but, you know, managing hotels and, and people from afar is, is, is a challenge. Um, but also opening a hotel that you haven't visited yet um, and with people that you haven't met face-to-face and press the flesh, you know, how, how have you managed that?
2: Yeah, it's it's super hard. One one thing I should have added, like I'm I'm a feeler. I like to be with people, and there's nothing beats one-on-one interaction, right? Uh, A good honest chat with you, with your team, sitting in a room. Defining strategy, reviews, performances, direction, brainstorming—whatever you do, I think when you do it in the room, there is a there is a feel to it. You know, you can, uh, and I think there's nothing can beat that. So, and I am a leader who actually thrives in that environment. I'm not very good in writing big emails and giving instructions, so I'm, I'm terrible with that side. So it, it, it's really been a been a been very tough not to be able to be with the team and uh, the amount of time we're spending on Zoom calls is just extraordinary to try and create that face-to-face interaction. But obviously, it's, it's, it's not the same. It's not the same. But uh, I think, again, it comes to the strength of the team, right? Uh, I'm, I'm lucky that uh, even in Australia as well, my team is, is spread out. I have a uh, head office in, uh, in, in Brisbane. Uh, part of my team is based in Hong Kong, especially marketing and, and, and analysis bits are done in Hong Kong. Um, and uh, I'm based in Brisbane at the moment with my finance team in Brisbane. My director of ma- Brand marketing is based in in Sydney. so it's a it's a very spread out team. Luckily, we are used to uh, working with Hong Kong and remote offices already. So we are used to uh, collaborating through uh, these online channels. So it's been it's been good in a way. We set up in a way we were always set up in a way where we had remote profiles, and one had a laptop, uh, and they were working from different locations pre-COVID. So when the COVID hit, we didn't have that that immediate issue of saying, hey, how do we collaborate? Because we had the platforms in play even advance of it. So it hasn't been that bad. But I think just motivating and keeping the team engaged, especially through this tough time when they're emotionally drained out and and getting the best out of them and keeping them positive and in and, and, and a right mindset has has been very, very challenging. But really a lot of Zoom meetings, more organized you need to be, because it takes a little longer. To communicate the message so now I need to be more strict about you know about my time management you know I had to take I mean I always look at it how do I in, you know improve within myself to kind of take the business to another level and then the interaction to another level so I, I used to be a bit flexible with my time and now I'm a bit more like 9.15 is 9.15. You know, it's got to happen at that time because I just don't have that wiggle room to let go You know, um, and have to follow it through and make sure I'm meeting commitments. So, a lot more time consuming, and I can't wait for borders to open to try and follow this through with uh, with a bit of a personal touch. But it's, uh, it's only made things harder, I think. Uh, maybe a little bit more cost effective because you don't have to travel that much. Uh, but uh, I think when it comes to the quality, of interaction and like quality of engagement with the team, it, it's kind of dropped off uh, from what it used to be. I think we're finding our way back. I believe all people are getting used to it. Both parties, the receiving and the giving end, are getting used to of the fact that hey, it has to be run through Zoom calls and Teams call. And um, I think it's it's getting a little bit better. Uh, but hey, nothing beats a, a meeting in a meeting room, right?
0: Yes, that is uh, what we are all all longing for. And have you had, uh, like you probably have, um, well, at, least, at least I think I know one person, but during, you know, we were talking about this at a time out today, you know, because the, the way that the pandemic's played out, there's people who've joined the business and almost never never seen other, other team members in, in real life. And I, like, I think it's particularly pertinent to, you know, businesses like in the accommodation sector, hospitality, where it is such a personal thing. Have you got team members that have, have kind of entered the, uh, your business during the pandemic? And, um, and how um, have, have they settled in?
2: Oh, there are a few, um, but everyone is in connection with some team members. I mean, the special one in, I think, Melbourne, uh, South Yara is a a new hotel we're opening, and we're slowly building our team, uh, you know, around it, and they haven't had a chance to meet with majority of the leadership team, and... uh, they're in a, in a, in a good hands with Amy Merlin, who's the general manager there, who knows the brand, lives the brand, reads the brand, and she's a huge advocate of the of the brand. So they're in a good care that they're understanding the brand, uh, you know, from from one of the champions. But um, I think not ability to meet with all of us through um, you know in person is, is 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 a problem. Having said that. We've done the onboarding through the through the Zoom calls. You know, we have, we have invested in some other platforms. We have a, a really engaged Facebook group, which we which we all work together. So there is a there is that that we've created enough touch points to ensure that whoever is joined is not left unattended or not part or doesn't feel like as a part of the group. Uh, so I don't think we really have that much of an issue at this stage. But hey, or in hospitality is very hard not to be in touch with people, right? Uh, you know, it's not an insurance sector where you, you join a company from, from home and you've never been to head office, you know, or, or an office where, where you meet other people. So we're lucky in that bit. Uh, you know, we are in people business, and I think uh, it doesn't matter what happens with COVID. Uh, in the end, I think we'll we'll continue to be, you know, uh, in, that, in that work environment where you'll be surrounded by a lot of other people to look after each other.
0: And uh, like I've been looking for the opportunity for this, but and finally, uh, it's great to know that the next time, the next time uh, the Indian cricket team is in uh, in Melbourne, they'll be able to stay. They'll be able to stay in South Bank.
1: We need to move on. <laughs> uh, we, are, I, we sat through ten minutes of pre-chat about cricket. I don't think we need to bring it into the uh, podcast proper.
2: We are just making sure
1: you're ready for it. <laughs>
2: this, this is the only thing that made the podcast
0: though, so I had to have a go. Anyway,
1: all right, well, over to you then, Luke. <laughs> uh, do, I, do you want to just talk us through the, the opening in in Melbourne? Sorry, second. Do you want to talk us through the opening in Melbourne? What you've got planned, or can you talk about it too much, or do you want to wait till the marketing comes out?
2: Yeah, I think we uh, not as, as I said the plans I've been making are you know within that limited three months period. So I'm due to decide the opening date. So it's the interesting as as, as it sounds. Uh, I have been holding off on my decision on finalizing the opening date. It will be somewhere around the end of March or, or early April. And just waiting for a couple of things to, to come through, uh, especially the key roles, to be able to bring that forward. But uh, it's a beautiful building, 127 keys. Uh, you know, very well-designed. Uh, Luchetti, Krell, and Wood Spaghet are paired up together as two teams to do the design work in the building. Uh, Hickory has has actually built it's uh, some micro rooms uh, very small to medium-sized rooms in the, in the building. Uh, beautiful food and beverage venue on the ground floor, which will be a vegetarian venue. A basement bar, which will probably hold off to to open at this stage. Uh, lots of social spaces uh, right on the South Yara, on a busy road on um, you know on Turuk Road. So it'll be an amazing, amazing product. Uh, can't say too much about the the brand and its uh, and its image. I think that'll be that'll be coming out of the market very soon. But it it does have a very unique story. And has a has a lot of good touch points, uh, referring back to the '70s glamour time, as as a hint. So it'll be a good, fun product uh, to walk you through. And I'm sure you, you know would love to have both of you join me for a drink when the when the borders are open and we're allowed to travel. I was just going to say we both look forward to being invited to the opening of <laughs> that property. <morning. laughs>
1: I wanted to ask one more question um, before we – I'm conscious of your time and before we move on to our final questions. But um, you you mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast when you're obviously talking about your, your history, your career path, um, hating being out of hospitality and, um, and obviously you've been within it for a long time. Part of the reason Mike and I, um, I guess, met – well, it is probably the first reason we met but on a different podcast – but is, I guess <laughs> – focusing um, and sharing stories of what, why people love hospitality because um, I guess attracting people to the sector as a profession has been a, a challenge but, um, you know, people don't often always clock what you can achieve within hospitality and, and why it is amazing. So what was it for you um, that, you know, that you missed or that attracted you in the first place or but made you miss it enough to come back after trying something new?
2: I think the energy, uh, energy of of the industry, right? It, it's it's a it's a vibrant industry. It's always changing. You you have an ability to express yourself uh, in various different ways within the various different departments and and the way it lives and breathes. I think it, it's got that social fabric to it, right? Which which is which is amazing. So I think I've always liked uh, being in hospitality simply because the way I am and you know, I like to be. To be with people, look out, looking after them, working with them, with teams, with broader teams. You know, we, we're in a people business, right? We are looking. We, we usually, you know, our biggest cost in our in our business is is, is the people cost, and and uh, the product we have is is really designed to look after and give them a great experience. So, I think if you like personally, you like to be in that social space, and you 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 enjoy that part then that hospitality is a place for you and that's why pretty much everyone kind of starts their life that somewhere does some work in hospitality right and or you know or connected with it in in one field or one way or the, or the form it's just a matter of choosing it as a career is that is that for everyone or not so from from that point of view i think if this, this gives you an ability to express yourself in, in, in better ways than anything else. And I've done that since the time I was a waiter all the way now. You know, I'm, I, what I'm doing is what I love, love and what I like. And I do it the way I like it. You know, and there's plenty of flexibility. There are huge career opportunities all the way from, um, you know, being in a simple bar all the way to be a CFO, CEO of a company. And at the end of the day, it's just an expression of yourself. And if you take it from that way, it's not a job, you know. That's the best part. If you're actually just simply you know expressing yourself, it, it's not a job. and you don't you can't do that when you're in a CA firm, you can't do that when you're in an insurance business, when you can't do it in, in various different industries. There are different benefits of being in those industries, but I think hospitality gives you this amazing ability to continue to express yourself all your life where it doesn't feel like you're on a job, but it feels like it's just part of who you are.
0: Solid reply. Well, it's um, been a very interesting discussion with you, Dave. We have uh, the five standard questions which we'd like to ask you now and uh, look forward to the individuality of the responses that come through. So, um, a first one is favourite book or podcast that you've listened to uh, recently.
2: Oh, I love reading books. I've just read through a couple in the recent time, but I'll talk about the podcast. Uh, The most interesting one I've listened to recently is from Scott Galloway. Uh, He's a U.S.-based American advertising um, a is uh, very opinionated, uh, a lot of fun to read and and, and he does a, an amazing blog, check it out, it's called No Mercy, No Malice, which is amazing too, but his podcast is quite amazing and recently he did one on the 2020 predictions, uh, he did one on 2020 predictions too and he got a lot of them right, It talks about the investments, Facebooks and this and that, a lot of other interesting things and he's quite an interesting character, I love listening to him.
0: Oh, very good. Yeah. Um... Uh, on the music front, favorite album or artist right now? Uh,
2: it's a tough one. Uh, when it comes to music and sports, I am very Indian, uh, and uh, just like I, I like my cricket, I, I also like Indian classical music more than anything else, and I've kind of grown up with it and stayed with me. So uh, that's if I give you an answer there, it'll be hard for uh, you know to connect with. But at the same time, I think uh, I fall in love. With 80s music. After joining Ovalo. we have our own radio Ovalo uh, you know, um, uh, album which is through Spotify, and that's my go-to playlist. And I think within that group, probably David Bowie and, and Queen's been my my favorite. I don't really have a big connection with the most recent, uh, you know, English music. It's yeah. just uh, for some reason it just hasn't happened. <laughs> oh well,
0: you won't be alone. in that. Um. Uh, what about uh, when it comes to a typical favorite favorite drink, uh, either now or whenever?
2: Sorry, favorite. Favorite drink. Favorite drink. Oh, uh, either a Negroni or a Pinot Noir. I think that's been that's been like this for forever. I guess so. I don't think it's going to (laughs) change. Like
0: (laughs) We should we should keep score. Hey, Luke. Like Negroni, just just it's so so up there, isn't it? In terms
2: of uh, favorite of guests. Yeah, it's such a go-to drink, right? <laughs> no, I've I've, uh, I've loved uh, Negronis for a very long time. And I think after coming to Ebola, it's probably gone to another level because Girish loves it and so many other my team members love it and become a become a routine. And now, to you know, after a, a big, long day, that's that's a go-to drink for the team.
1: Where's the, who, who makes the best outside of your properties? And I'd like to mention one of yours.
2: Oh, who makes the best? Uh, oh, gosh, I've tried so many. Um uh, the one in Hong Kong, there is a there is an Italian uh, restaurant and bar there. Um, the name skips me. Oh, their Negroni was just absolutely epic. I have to find and, and and share it with you. I can't I can't think of a name, but uh, I've had that few times. It's it's bloody costly, but uh, damn, the guy does a good job.
0: Um, now fourth question and you can answer this in two parts if you want to um, favorite venue and the two options are here hotel well your favorite hotel maybe of all time how about that um, and then uh, and then secondly um, a, a food and beverage venue Um <laughs>
2: Okay, the food and beverage venue. That's an easier one. At the moment, I'm really enjoying Zaza Ta in, in Oval of the Valley, um, obviously, for uh, it's convenient to me. But, uh, you know, uh, a really great vegetarian, uh, you know, interpretation from Chef Roy Or. Amazing, amazing food. Really love it. Uh, otherwise, I think Super Normal in Melbourne has been my, my, my favorite for a good long time and really like Threads in Sydney. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really always have one favorites you know it's kind of usually a list of things i like uh that's from the fnb side i think uh, the top three in the in the three in the three key cities in australia favorite hotel oh again that's a that's a hard one um most recently i was in you know when i was in l.a a uh, few years ago uh not few years ago it was 14 months 15 months uh, you know the hoxton uh there in williamsburg was uh, was very impressive i really enjoyed it, it was was well, a fresh, light, uh, you know, beautiful product. Uh, lot, yeah. I like products for what they are, so I think I can actually look at it in every category and, and, and list, but I, I was really impressed with, with, with the quality of the work there and really beautifully presented that building.
0: Um, and our last question, um, who in the industry are you most inspired by and why?
2: Yeah, again, uh, a tough one. I think I, I'm a I'm a learner from <laughs> you know I learn each and every day, so I try and take bits from 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 everyone. Uh, saying one name is, uh, is is probably not the right thing to do. But if I have to pick one and uh, look closer to the people I'm surrounded with, and I've really had a great learning from uh, on a day-to-day basis, uh, I, I think Gurish has uh, is, has been in the top of that space when it comes to. Marketing and and pushing yourself to the limits to, to kind of you know to take you to another level and uh, from when it comes to organization and the business I think uh, uh, the the team you know the Bob East, uh with uh, with Mentor Group was uh, is, is up there um, I I watched him grow and take the business to another level and, and the intensity and, and and growth and persistence and you know in that role he showed and I learned a lot from it so. Heavily influenced, uh, you know, from him on on how to run a business, how to take the business to another level. So, that those two names would probably be in the top of my list.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, if you've been in the orbit of either of those two, you know, it's no surprise you're doing such a good job in yours. Well, Dave, uh, thanks so much for your time. Um, and uh, you, you know, your company over the years, it's been uh, great to get to know you. Um, both at HM Awards, at AHISE events, and and wherever our paths cross. And um. And uh, I'll throw to Luke for the final sign-off, but, um, you know, wish you the best, particularly with, um, with the opening of, uh, you know, the new hotel down in, uh, uh, in, in South Bank. I look forward to staying there myself.
1: Yes, uh, completely agree. Thanks, Dave.
2: Very generous with your time. We'll uh, catch up again soon, no doubt. Thanks, Luke. Look forward to having a grony with you in the new bar we open in South, uh, South Yara. Thank you very much. Yes. Cheers, mate. Cheers.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.